so thankful for you, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsors this week, Brooklinen and Quip. They bring the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also, that involve dice luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who you always gotta ask to pass the stuffing. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. I'm surprised you still said friend after our disagreement over the Cybertruck. I thought I thought that was going to be real divisive for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't believe uh, that uh, anybody can not like that and still be my friend. So, you know, you know you're right. I don't understand. I don't understand looking at that thing and going and saying ugly because to me it's like the coolest thing ever. But well, let me do, let's just say that people feel the same way about you. You know what I mean? Ouch! No, no, no. It's a compliment. Wow. No one can look at you and say ugly. We all just say that is the coolest thing ever. It's a compliment. Wow! I don't think that's what you don't have any rearview mirrors. You're made out of stainless steel. You're the best. <laughs> you know the sad thing about me is that I only have rearview mirrors. <laughs> it's that I'm just constantly looking backwards. Oh man! Uh, hey, if you are listening to this uh, in the United States, it's likely uh, Thanksgiving or around that time. And we are thankful for you. I want to say that right here at the top. Thank you for downloading the show. Thank you for listening to us. If this is the first episode, if this is your 300th episode, we love it. We are so grateful. Uh, Christian and I have been doing this show for over five years. And I can say, I think I can speak for you, Christian, that it's it remains a privilege. And it is only because you, dear listener, download the show and make time. For us in your week and we certainly appreciate it um so thank you I, I, around the turkey this week i certainly will, we will be uh, having a place for all of you in my thank yous because um without you we would not be here and we appreciate you so thank you everyone and gobble 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 right christian 100 percent. yes uh we appreciate you and literally this show would not exist if it wasn't for everybody listening and telling their friends about it so we we very much appreciate um even the disagreements on reddit when people <laughs> yeah. say i lie about tres leches cake please know i still love you <laughs> the, the most divisive thing you've ever said on the show uh and i stand by that um we're also grateful and thankful to have an awesome guest. We got so many games to talk about. It's, this time of year is just exploding. We got big news to talk about, and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Drawing Locomotion into Characters. Because we have senior animator at Riot Games... Lana Bashinsky with us for the first time. Hey, Lana. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are so excited to have you. This is really cool. Uh, you worked on a game that I wouldn't shut up about for a long, long time. Heroes of the Storm for a long time, right? That is true. I still don't shut up about Heroes of the Storm, so. Yeah, it's still good. I, I have fallen off of it a little bit just because of time in my life because, um, you, you know, there are too many games. <laughs> and and uh, but now you're over at Riot, and uh, you joined right about a time when the company was announcing that it is making 
a whole bevy of its own games. So what a what a cool time to be joining Riot and and being part of that company. Yeah, it was uh, kind of surreal. You know, you hear rumors and it's like, oh, this company is probably working on something else. Particularly for Riot being around like. 10 years or something, you know, something is going on behind closed doors and to start during orientation. And they're like, wow, here's, we're going to show you all the games we're working on. And you feel like you're in on like this little secret and you're like, Ooh, I wonder how long I have to keep this for. And then the next sentence is, and we announced them all in a month. So. <laughs> like, Oh, that feels good. I don't have to keep that secret too long. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. Very fun. Very cool. Uh, time to be a rat games. That's Can awesome. I ask you broadly, um, for our listeners and also for me, what is and what do you do? Like, what is a senior animator, especially in 3D space and games? Like, wireframe? Like, if you could break down an hour, like, what do you do? Um, that is an excellent Start question. Start with your lunch hour, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my lunch hour, I am usually playing games and eating chicken. Um, but what I do as a senior animator is I'm I would typically typically describe it as bringing the game designer's vision for the gameplay to life through motion and uh, sort of on the more thespian side, I'm bringing characters to life through motion. And it's the marriage of making sure that gameplay feels just as punchy as you want it to do, want it to. And, you know, your character feels just as sort of tough or sassy or sweet as you want them to and marrying those two things together. Did you start in traditional animation or were you always in digital and character animation in in video games? Um, I never started in traditional animation, but I have... Uh, my studies started in the rooted in fundamentals like uh, anatomy and wow. yeah. uh, you know I started on pencil and paper to make sure that you sort of know how to draw first of all a line and then you turn into like a circle which turns into a sphere which turns into a human and from there you understand oh the human body works this way and that's why your arms move in this direction because of that and from there it's like loose physics of why why do things move the way they do and how to create believable motion because of the sort of principles that ground things in reality, like gravity. So everything's moving in arcs and like things in motion tend to stay in motion and things at rest tend to stay at rest. So it's kind of a, a merging of like loose science ideals applied to characters in an artistic way. I feel like it's the type of thing that when done well, I don't notice. And then when someone messes up, I go, this doesn't feel right. Like, I don't know what the problem is, but like when you nail your job, everybody's just like, yeah, that's, of course that's how it is. That's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> I feel like when I really nail my job, the people who are playing the game or playing the characters, they're not saying, oh, look what that character did. They go, I'm amazing. And like yeah. the, the the player feels like, they've been sucked into this world and they feel like they, it resonates with them so much that they feel like they're doing the badass thing when it's something that I animated for them. That's such a cool way to look at it. I love it. And it's so true. It's, it's, uh, it's wish fulfillment and you're like, yeah, I did something cool. And it's like, no, Lana worked really hard on that. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, let's jump into the show and start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the 
Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com or by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting your emails uh, for stories of the week or for comments, questions, anything you'd like to send our way. We love to hear it. Lana, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Um, well, my story of the week uh, actually wasn't one of the ones that was sort of tossed around by the internet. Um, but I saw an article on Gama Sutra this week that was announcing uh, Wolf Eye Studios, which is the crea- uh, the creators of Arcane, mm-hmm. uh, creative director Raphael Colantonio, and former executive producer Julian Roby, um, uh, and Arcane Studios um, – Responsible for Prey and Dishonored, uh, they sort of went off for a while and were laying low, and they created Wolf Eye, which I think is incredible because they are a fully, um, what's the word? Independent? Everybody in, no, fully independent, but they all work at home. Everybody's remote, mm. so I believe wow. that all of the developers are spanning uh, ten countries or something like that globally, which is awesome just by way of sort of the diversity of voices you can get to create a cool uh, experience. But it's also amazing just because I think that is a super progressive look at what game development can be um, and help sort of helps people realize they can lead lead like a comfortable, happy life for sort of wherever they want and still, you know, be going for their dreams and, and creating something awesome in the game development space. Yeah, the, the phrase used here in this article, distributed development team, right? Is that the way you were looking for? Yeah, fully fully distributed, I think, was what the, they called it, um, yeah. which I've, I've never – I've heard of a couple teams that are, are pretty tiny that are working uh, all remotely, but this is the first time I've ever heard that as a, a new studio announcing themselves and saying, like, this is one of the, the, the coolest things about us is that we are fully distributed, which I think is amazing. The other thing that I, piqued my interest in the announcement of Wolf Eye Studios was that was the sort of rhetoric around what their goals are. Uh, there's a quote here. I think this is from um, uh, Rafael Colantonio. Uh, the AAA market is risk averse and innovation mm-hmm. suffers from it. As a game designer, I've been wanting to try new ideas and approaches, and I believe the independent games are the best space to do so. So here are two very successful very high profile AAA developers who are saying, hey, we want to try something a little riskier and have a little more freedom to explore new ideas. That sounds really exciting. Now, if they come out with the, you know, a, a first person shooter, uh, you know, sci-fi exploration game like the kinds that they've made so far. I won't be disappointed, but I will, a little part of me will be like, well, is this what you meant? You know? Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think this, the stuff they've been doing is really cool. I was actually having a big discussion recently about sort of what the genre is that they've been traditionally making, which is I think called technically immersive sim, which, uh, I don't know. I'm for me, I'm like, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like an action game. It's like an RPG. It's got, Right. Like it, it's sort of like a very niche look, like at like a cross section of all these different styles of games. Um, but uh, with Prey, they had Prey as the base game, and then but afterwards they released something that was Prey Moon Crash. I forget exactly how they subtitled it or something. But Moon Crash was a lot of the gameplay elements 
from Prey, but also in like a roguelike setting, mm-hmm. which was I it was super unique. It, it it felt very cool in that world where you sort of have to play through these five or six characters and get them off the base. And if, if they all have different abilities, um, and every single time you're always in the same space, but things are a little bit different. And if one of them dies, then you just sort of inhabit the next body of the next person. And, and the goal is to get them all off the the moon base. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, it was really interesting. And it was sort of like an interesting turn on the IP and the space they'd already explored, but with sort of a much more unique gameplay feel. So I hope they are doing more stuff like Moon Crash would be very cool to see. Well, Christian, it sounds like they will be announcing their first game at the Game Awards in December. So we only have a couple of weeks to wait for that announcement, which is pretty exciting. What are you hoping to see from Wolf Eye Studios? Something that continues with what I feel like is their legacy of some of the best level design in games. Like I always feel like I find a secret route and then I you know, go on the internet to read that there's a 10 times more creative. It's like you take this bottle, throw it against this wall. It'll break this window, at which point a rope will fall down, which you have a slingshot. You can slingshot over to the rope, which will lead you over to this bridge that you normally can't get to until you're level 20. But if you do this – and I'm just like, who thought of this? It's kind of like you know, a senior animator. It's like all of that happens for a reason, and Arcane put all of that stuff – in their game to be found and when you find find it you feel like you are the badass or you feel like you've you found the one secret alleyway to be the thief to do the thing so i hope that whatever game they're working on has some version of that you know whether it's an mcsr-esque or portal or a third person action game or whatever but i love the creativity they put into their levels mm-hmm. this kind of reminds me a little bit of of that game uh journey to the savage planet which we talked about back at e3 uh and that game, I remember hearing, you know, talking to the developers who are all former Call of Duty and all worked on huge AAA games. And they all decided to peel off and say, hey, we want to make something that's ours. We want to make something that doesn't have the pressures of a, a AAA, you know, a big franchise like that. And they crafted this this game that has more humor in it and it's kind of doing its own thing. It It's not it's not an indie game in the sense of it being a real divergent from something that is commercial. Uh, but it also is something that has a little more personality and some quirks that maybe would be shaved off in an environment that needs to be sold at the, at the level of a call of duty. So I think this is probably something that a lot of, uh, these, these guys, these or girls, these triple a, um, uh, you know, top tier developers, I feel like there's there's some of that grass is always greenerness going on. Looking out the window, going, man, I just wish I could be a little more free in what I'm making. I mean, mm-hmm. look at Kojima. How many years did he say he was done making Metal Gear? And whether it was Konami or other outside yeah. forces kind of pushing him in that direction, and he went and made his other thing. And by all accounts, it's a hit. You know, it, it can still be commercially successful and uh, popular, but still also feed that creative curiosity. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what they announce, and we don't have too long to wait for it, but it's exciting. Wolf Eye Studios. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? I mean, I'm sorry, Jeff, but it's got to be. You're going to take mine? You're going to take it? It's got to be. Dude, you know you, it is. You why know don't you, it is. As the owner of an index, why don't you say it? And you, you, you can go next, Jeff. I'll go after you. You go ahead. Uh, it's the, it's, this, is a, this is actually not the story of the week. This what? is the story of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, the well story of, of the ever. It's the story 
Um, I'm just, I'm so happy. Half-Life Alex was announced by Valve this week. It is a VR exclusive and everything I've ever hoped for. Um, I mean, okay, so we heard that Valve had been working on some top-tier, you know, full-length. They talked about you know having multiple VR projects in the works, games that were big AAA projects. And there was some speculation. Maybe there's something in the Portal universe. Maybe there's something in the Left 4 Dead universe. Maybe there's something in the Half-Life universe. And then those rumors started to pick up a little traction and people were talking Half-Life, Half-Life, Half-Life. Well, they made it official this week. They had the announcement. They released the trailer. It is fully VR exclusive. It is not Half-Life 3. It takes place before the events of Half-Life 2. So it's technically a... Half-Life 1.5 or like a prequel to Half-Life 2. You play as Alex and um, you are kind of leading up to the events, to the uh, occupation of City 17 that that starts off Half-Life 2. There is a big Jeff Keighley uh, final hours article coming and video that he has released with the developers talking about some of the game and why it needs to be in VR. They're talking about all these new kinds of interactions. And I would just say for my part, I am, of course, very excited about this as a VR nut. And as an, a Valve Index owner, I, I, I'm like, finally, that purchase makes sense now. But also, you talk about Half-Life, you talk about the Half-Life franchise. Every year, everyone says, is this the year where we're going to get a Half-Life 3? And and actually, you know, a lot of people have given up hope on a Half-Life 3 that it'll even ever happen at all. Or Episode 3, for that matter, Half-Life 2, Episode 3. But the, when I look at the Half-Life franchise, especially with 2, I'm sure there are a number of people listening to this show that weren't even alive. Or if they were, they weren't really paying attention to video games because they were so young when Half-Life 2 came out. But when Half-Life 2 came out, I was very much still covering games, into games, and it, was, it wasn't it was just a video game. It was the next progression of what video games could be. It really ushered in the era of physics in video games. The gravity gun was, it felt like something that, not just felt like, it really was something that changed video games. It became something the next step. And I've always felt like one of the reasons they haven't done Half-Life 3 is that they felt like it would need to be that again. It would need to be this next step in the evolution of games as a medium. And while this isn't Half-Life 3, it does feel like this, from my perspective, is a natural next step. It's a natural place to go, okay, we're going to show you through this franchise what video games can be now. And I'm so excited when I hear about them talking about all these kinds of interactions that they're finding and the way they could not bring this game to mouse and keyboard because of those kinds of interactions. I'm really excited to see what Valve can bring to the table with a full-length AAA VR exclusive game. So of course I'm I'm flipping out, but <laughs> Lana, let, what is your perspective on this? I don't have any idea how into VR you are or not, but what did you think about this announcement? I was very excited about the announcement. I also was, uh, I think Half-Life 2 is the first time I ever like really critically looked at a video game for more elements than like, is this fun? 
It was like, oh my God, the light is like, it's blooming. Like I can't, I'm in a dark space and I'm looking to a bright space and it's hard to see like real life. Like it blew my mind at the time. Um, so I was really excited about Half-Life Alex because I don't know with the, all the energy and the hype about Half-Life, I was not one of the people who was doubting that they would ever do it again, but I feel like from a developer's side, like maybe I was trying to like get in their mind of why wouldn't they have done it already? And I think like that fear of like, are things as good as people remember? And how do we push that? Um, my sort of personal theory on Half-Life Alex is that if they're like, okay, people say they want Half-Life 3, they claim that they want this, but if we don't make it perfect and it's not pushing the market just like Half-Life 2 did, um, like it's not living up to our own standards. So if we make it in VR and we show off like, like do the VR thing better than anybody's done the VR thing and people really do want Half-Life and they really do buy this game, then maybe we can make Half-Life 3 without all the pressure of like pushing it. Half-Life 3 can live as like still a badass continuation of the story, but not necessarily have the pressure of how long since Half-Life 2 came out. Like, like they can sort of relax a little bit. Well, I think, you know, they, they were sort of explicit about being scared of a Half-Life 3, of, of even attempting that, of, of stepping up mm -hmm. to the plate and trying to take a swing. And they talked about how the development process for Half-Life Alex was, let's make a VR thing. And then mm -hmm. they, you know, kept iterating and iterating and iterating. They're like, you know, we could put this in the Half-Life universe. And they sort of talked about how, you know, coming into it sideways like that and not sitting down and going, okay, we're making the next Half-Life game. Mm -hmm. It was more like, we're making a game with all these cool things. And wow, actually, this would fit really well in the Half-Life universe. Let's do that kind of eased them into that and, and relieved some of that. And I think, so I think you're spot on with that assessment and, and I'm glad about it. I'm very yeah. glad about it. <laughs> The one thing that I think is, is really cool that does make me excited about it. I've tried, I've tried VR a handful of times. I don't own VR, but every time I play it, I'm always like, wow, this is really visceral. This is, hmm. I like really feel like I'm in this world. Um, but with the, uh, I saw some article. I'm I'm worried now that maybe you posted it on Twitter, Jeff. But it was like <laughs> a clip article. talking about like an old, like an old interview with one of the devs that was was talking about the Half Life world, where they're like, anything that you feel like is in that world and you should be able to move it, it'll move. And like they're just talking again, sort of about that physics and how immersive they wanted it to be, and it really feels like you can sort of mess with everything, especially with the gravity gun. And that clip from that interview pulled out of context, it just fits so perfectly with sort of the VR experience you would want. It's like yeah. you want to touch everything. You want to, you, if you're grabbing things in this digital space, like you want to grab everything. And I just think it's uh, seeing those gravity gun gloves, it seems like a very classy take on on the same sort of elements from this IP um, and translated into the VR space. I'm, I'm really excited, but I think it looks gorgeous. It's uh, maybe convincing me to buy a, a VR headset for myself. We'll see. Yeah. Well, and Christian, it, it is uh, supporting the, the, you know, they're committed to that valve ideal of being open platform. It doesn't, it doesn't require the index by any stretch of the imagination. It doesn't even require the Vive. They're supporting any headset, that you can plug into a PC and that includes the Oculus linked Oculus quest, 
which is pretty big deal because that that headset is relatively inexpensive compared to the index. Uh, and I think it's has been adopted by a, a new audience for VR. So they're really trying to make this not just a system seller for their piece of hardware. It really is there to be, uh, I think, a showcase for what VR is capable of. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how development goes forward with like the way controllers have be kind of kind of become uniform where you have two triggers two analogs like what that is for vr you know because like the the knuckles the index controllers seem far more malleable than the oculus touch controllers but if you have these cross-platform games that you're developing for you know how do you develop for the lowest common denominator while also making the best possible experience for people that have the other type of controller or, or uh hand wands or whatever so i'm curious to see how that evolves vr forward and i think if a game could do it it could be half-life alex that kind of sets the de facto like look at all the cool stuff we can do so if you're Mm -hmm. going to release a vr headset you need to be able to interact all these ways well i think one of the answers to that question can be found or clues to the answer to that question can be found in the fact that they will be supporting a whole variety of movement options. So they're going to support full um, uh, room scale where you can walk around the environment. They're going to support standing scale so that you can stay in one spot, move from place to place, but you can move to pl- from place to place in a whole variety of ways. You can have completely smooth analog stick movement like you would in a first person shooter. You can have teleportation movement, which a lot of people find more comfortable in VR. And you can even have the uh, blood and truth style sliding from place to place, from point to point, from uh, interaction point to interaction point. So they clearly have put a lot of work into the systems in this game to make it as widely accessible as possible on a variety of comfort levels and a variety of, of uh, VR setups. Uh, and I'm, you know, kudos to them for that. I think that's cool. So for walking around the whole world, I know that you are super into VR. I, as far as I've seen, like every other VR game I've seen, you're you're kind of floating and like they're all in space, so you're pulling yourself around with your hands, which makes sense because you have the hand controllers. But for walking, like fully supporting walking through the space, does that mean all of the spaces are like fifteen by fifteen feet, or does that are you going to get like a thigh strap, like a, like the Ring Fit? Well, it's like tracking your leg and you kind of have to like jog in place. Like how do you? No, I think it is. It's more like um, you would use a method of movement that brings you in. Basically, you can move around your space up to where your space stops. And then mm-hmm. you can transition to another space by using the analog sticks or by teleporting or whatever you want to do. But it's saying that we will support the, the idea of you walking around in as big or small a space as you've got for as long as you can. We will support you renting a warehouse if you want the fully immersive walk around. (laughs) I mean, I wish. I wish. I tried to get a a room in my house uh, for just for VR, but it has slowly become the kids put their crap in my room room. (laughs) The Lego trap. He's going to have to get cleaned up before Half-Life Alex comes out. Mm. Um, But one of the coolest things also about this story from my perspective is how all of the interviews with the devs or with, with Valve in general are about how the reason this happened is of, because of how energized the developers were with the VR hardware. They all put it on and were like, this, this is exciting. This is something we want to make games for. This is a, a new thing that we want to experiment with. And I think 
I personally have heard that from a lot of developers that make VR games that it really is this labor of love of, you know, finding what feels like the next thing and what feels like the, um, a, a sort of undiscovered country of where video games can go. Now, again, people are going to hear me say that and think that I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, and I am, but... Yeah, I was say, people are starting to think you're drinking... We know you're drinking the Kool-Aid, Jeff. It's okay. Keep drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying that I think that's 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 the feeling I have when I put on headsets, and I think that's the, pe- the feeling people don't or are skeptical of before they put the headsets on or when they have crappy VR experiences. But when you are really playing one of these high-end versions of, of these games in a good headset in a, in a great experience, you know, in Beat Saber or uh, Vader Immortal or, you know. Labo VR. Yes, there's so many. <laughs> Labo VR. <laughs> I thought you were saying the lab <laughs> because that's the other Valve game. But yeah, not Labo. Um, anyway, I think that's that's the kind of thing you, you recognize and go, oh my gosh. Th- what they're saying about how we couldn't do this on a mouse and keyboard because you just can't map all of the inputs to a keyboard they they were talking about it with the interview with uh, jeff keely that they released they were talking about how just interacting with a door he said they said we need a whole keyboard worth of commands just to interact with a door because in vr you're able to crack the door open peek through it maybe stick your gun just through the crack and fire or take a grenade and throw it through the just a, a you know a crack of open door and then slam the door quickly None, none of those things work very well on a mouse and keyboard, but they're completely intuitive in VR because you just do what you think a door should be able to do, and the game accommodates for it. So I don't know. I, you know, I just I'm so excited. I love VR. Like I feel like I I, I love VR. I've played like a very minimal VR experiences. I love the idea of like how it's pushing to make games like so immersive like that. And from the experiences I've played, like how surprisingly tactile everything feels when you when you grab it, even though there's not like a like a touch reaction to it. Um, but my my big VR theory is that it's it I hope it happens sooner, but it probably won't like get, the the Kool-Aid won't start being sipped on by everyone else until like the headsets are like less chunky for like the same yeah. reason that I don't think Google Glass took off, where it's right. like people don't like looking dweeby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas, whereas I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. I think I it's great. <laughs> yes. um, but no, I think you're right. I think, you know, everybody talks about when Apple comes out with cool looking glasses and, and makes it a fashion statement, you know, like, I, I think that, you know, I think that's absolutely true that it won't really re- reach mass market, but I, I want to wrap this topic up with this question to both of you. Hmm. For the longest time since VR was released, the big stipulation was there's no killer app. There's no one game to point to that feels like a must play. Do you think, and I, you know, Lana, you just said that you you don't think it'll work until the headsets themselves change. But do you think this game, finally a top tier franchise that everyone has their eyes on, this is an exclusive to VR that's not going to be able to be played anywhere else. It really is a full-length VR experience. Do you think this game will move the needle at all? Do you think this will be the killer app that everybody wanted? Or do you think it'll ultimately not have much of an effect? Do you think this will move headsets, Lana? I do think this will move the needle. I don't think it will move the needle to like 
the same amount of social acceptance as as people have for just PlayStation or Xbox or any, anything like that. Obviously, just the price tag alone. But I do think like just the care and the quality that is already displayed by the trailer itself pl- tied with the undeniable and cult-like adoration for Half-Life as a franchise, I think will definitely move the needle. What about you, Christian? Unfortunately, I don't think it will. Um, I think part of it is, I I agree, it's the price. Um, And then what we haven't talked about are the minimum specs. Like, this game is a beast. Yeah, it's a higher minimum spec than the the index's minimum specs. Yeah. and so so The headset has lower minimum specs than this game. Yeah. So, and, and the space as someone that, you know, gravitated toward the quest away from my original Oculus because I could play it anywhere I wanted, um, or my office where my VR setup would be, you mentioned your room has become a, you know, a, a toy trap or whatever. And so I think there are just unfortunately limitations that prevent this type of high-end VR from being widely adopted. I think it will make people wish they had the space or the, or the rig for it, but it, it, we're talking about moving, Fourteen to eighteen hundred dollars worth of equipment, right? Like that's the needle it needs to move. Well, you're because you're including the PC in that, right? The yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you need it. You need both. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, no, you do. I mean, I, a lot of people have reached out to me over the week on Twitter and elsewhere, asking, you know, saying, "Okay, well, this is my time to finally get into VR. What do you? What headset do you recommend?" Yeah, I, I think if price is no object. The index is clearly the the best in class, um, and I I really really like it. I think it's awesome. But to me, it's a very very simple answer to that question for the first time. Now, the caveat is there's some Black Friday deals on the PSVR that are dirt cheap. They're like less than two hundred dollars, and you get six VR games, like six you know Astrobot and Dirty Resident Deeds Evil. done dirt cheap. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. So I mean. You know, it's hard not to recommend PSVR because the PSVR exclusives are so good, but the headset itself is lowest end uh, fidelity for, you know, tracking and all that. But I I think for my money, the the easy answer is the Oculus Quest because of the link functionality now. If you end up having a PC that's beefy enough or upgrading to a PC at some point that's beefy enough, you can play all these high-end games linked up to it. You can play... Uh, Half-Life Alex, you can play Stormlands and Asgard's Wrath and all these uh, top-tier o- Oculus exclusive games, Steam VR games, and you can also untether it, walk outside, play Beat Saber to your heart's content, swinging wildly around in the in the grassy meadow. So <laughs> it's hard not to think that that's the, uh, the easiest headset to recommend right now for everyone. Yeah, I love the Quest. I wish I, I'm not at my home right now, which I might sound different because of that, because of my mic as well. But I did not bring my Quest, and I'm kicking myself because Vader Immortal Chapter 3 is out or comes out. And um, I love it. I love it so much. The Quest is by far the most used most used headset of, of the several that I've owned. All right, Christian, thank you for giving up your your spot for Story of the Week. <laughs> what is your story of the week? Well, so after Half-Life Alex, which I think is the biggest story of, I mean, I guess today, it's not like the biggest story of the year or anything like that, but, um, you know. Decade, um, you meant decade. Okay, decade. got it, yeah. Um, the one I find most interesting is something we'll talk about later in the show with Stadia. I hate to say it's out because <laughs> the Founders <laughs> Edition is available. It's what a weird release. But 
with that happening, Amazon has announced – or they haven't announced. It's a report from CNET that Amazon is moving forward with its own streaming service that will be built upon AWS servers, which if you watch sports – you know, powers everything because every commercial, like Amazon always has commercials during baseball or basketball where it's like analytics brought to you by AWS, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And apparently they're going to launch a Stadia competitor. AWS literally, figuratively, powers everything and does it well. They're going to integrate with Twitch per the rumor the way Stadia is supposed to integrate with YouTube. I'm supposed to say supposed because it still doesn't as of this moment. But I think this is fascinating with xCloud and Amazon now and Google, like I wonder if in, let me give myself enough runway here, in 10 years, instead of Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony, we're talking Amazon, Google, Microsoft as like the big three, you know, air quote console makers or whatever. I think it's really, really interesting. And the other part of this rumor is that it's coming out in 2020, which if true, does this thing come out like before Stadia becomes free to play, you know, the free version of Stadia does. Like this whole space is really, really heating up. And that's why I think it's it's the most interesting story for me this week. How many streaming services you want? How many streaming services you got? How many streaming services you're going to pay for? What is a streaming service? Is a streaming service like a Netflix? Is a streaming service just a way to play games that you purchase a la carte? I think these are the questions. To add one more to that, why I think monopolies can be problematic, is Amazon's streaming service the one that comes with free shipping that I'm already paying for? Right, yeah. If it's just an extension of Amazon Prime, then yes, please. I mean, that's why I have Amazon Prime Video is because I already have Prime. So I I probably wouldn't have paid for Amazon Prime Video except for the fact that I already have it. So if that's just lumped in, again, with all the other cool things that Amazon has that keeps me paying for Prime, then I, that's pretty great from my perspective as a consumer. But, uh, you know, it, it's a weird thing where everybody's rushing to be your streaming provider of choice. And I don't even think we know what that really even means yet, you know? <laughs> So do you think that you'd be playing games through an Amazon interface then? Or is Amazon partnering with the game studios? And then when you buy a game, you have the option of like connecting to the stream. And then something that says powered by Amazon pops up. Like I'm wondering what their whole like UI is like. Or or are they selling me a a little piece of hardware that I plug into the back of my Mm -hmm. television? Uh, You know, is it more like Stadia where it doesn't need It's all of it though, Jeff, right? Like that's the scary part about Amazon and monopolies. And I I think that was a great point too about how they're being sold because now there's been spats with Amazon proper, this digital storefront, like not carrying Nintendo products or not doing Sony pre-order games. So now is the first search result on Amazon going to be their version of it you know Mm -hmm. like oof it's exciting but scary it kind of also makes me feel a little bit like uh this isn't quite a perfect metaphor but like doordash where you're like oh great wow look at all these restaurants i can be so lazy but then (laughs) like those restaurants haven't necessarily agreed to it (laughs) like somebody's just showing up and being like i'm picking up food and they're like who are you what are you (laughs) yeah like like if amazon just gonna drop dollars on companies being like oh by the way here's your cut from your game which we've been streaming i don't think it it would necessarily come down (laughs) to that but 
I wouldn't put it past them necessarily. Well, I'll tell you what I hope it is. I, I hope it is the thing I wish Stadia was, and maybe Stadia will become someday, but a competitor to Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass. I want mm-hmm. what I want is the Amazon Prime video of, of video games. What I want is the Netflix of video games. And so far, Microsoft is the only one who's actually providing a low monthly fee that gets you a whole grip of games that you can, you know, play or not play uh, uh, during the month. To be fair, PlayStation Now, the, the people that like that are yelling at us yeah, that true. we don't mention do it enough. It's been around for a while. They recently, for a limited time, they Sony's Lord words, are offering God of War or Uncharted 4, some newer games. Mm. And it is a service that on paper competes with Game Pass. But I think in marketing and um, brand awareness, knowledge, yeah. knowledge yeah, and even company pushing, it seems like it does. it's not as much of a priority as Microsoft has made game pass it seems you're absolutely right to bring that up and thank you i, I omit that uh, not not for any malice we, we both do and i think we omit it to not to project the reason i omit it is i tried it when it launched i had it for six months i bounced off of it and i still swear by game pass right. <laughs> that's the personal difference but for me also the, the there's a bigger difference from my perspective for game pass and it is what makes it more similar to Netflix and Amazon Prime Video, and that is that there are day and date new stuff there. There's day and date awesome, cool new stuff. You know, uh, Outer Worlds dropped on Game Pass the same way that Stranger Things drops on Netflix. You know, and I think that to me makes it a more compelling idea. It's not just yes. it's not just a library of old stuff, and you know, great old stuff. I'm not saying it's not great old stuff. But it, it, I think it's much more. It, it feels much more like a must-have subscription fee to me when there's new things and the, the the new hotness is is dropping there as well. Yes, you can be part of the zeitgeist. Maybe not all zeitgeists, right. but part of some of it by just subscribing to this one service. And because of the incredible back catalog, you won't be without things to play if there's a six-month, eight-month, twelve-month gap between new releases. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I want to uh, I want to move on to the games we've been playing, but but there's one more story uh, that I want to talk about before we do that, and that is well, let's let's thank our sponsor first. Um, I want to thank uh, our first sponsor, which is Brooklinen. Oh, you've heard me talk about Brooklinen before. It's because they're machines. Uh, and recently, I gained a new appreciation for Brooklinen because uh, I went for a couple of weeks without Brooklinen sheets on my bed. Um, it's just one of those quirks that happened where we, for whatever reason, put different sheets on our bed and I started sleeping in them and I went, ah, yeah, I guess this is what sheets feel like. And then just about a week ago, we put our Brooklyn and sheets back on our bed and I was like, what, how could I have lived without this? How could I have lived without this? Brooklyn and sheets are so much better. I am not exaggerating. I am not. This is me talking. This is not. This is not what they told me to say. I am telling you that my the Brooklyn and sheets that I put on my bed are so much better than any of the other sheets I've ever owned. It feels like slipping into joy and happiness. And I love sleep. I love it. I want to prioritize it as much as I can. And that's why I told my wife a while back, "We're not doing this anymore. We're not putting anything other than Brooklyn and all because it's just so much better." And you spend a third of your life in sheets. Don't you want them to feel like that? Don't you want to feel that good? 
Plus, they they look really cool. You've got uh, all kinds of options with Brooklyn and Sheets, uh, cool designs and color schemes in, that you can check out. Also, you don't have to just listen to me about it. They're some of the internet's favorite sheets. Brooklyn has over 50,000 five-star reviews, half a million happy sleepers and counting. Uh, this is high-quality luxury bedding, but not at that luxury price because they took out the middleman. They took out that overhead. They're giving it to you directly on the internet, and that's pretty cool. So if you like softness, if you like comfort, if you like essentials that help you relax, Brooklyn has all of it. And I personally couldn't recommend their products more. I really enjoy it. It's a great gift. It's a great gift for friends and family. It's a great gift for yourself. Treat yourself. Upgrade your bedroom. Get 10% off and free shipping anytime when you shop at brooklinen.com and use the promo code DLC. And Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all of their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. So to get 10% off and free shipping, Go to brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use promo code DLC. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about the Game Awards. Christian, I know it's always a sore spot with you, uh, Awards, the Game Awards in specific and Game Awards in general. Uh, yeah, I haven't been nominated yet, Keeley. What the heck? Yeah, I know. Where's your... Uh... <laughs> I want to be best game of the year. <laughs> I want to be best game of the year. Um, well, the nominees were announced this week. The awards ceremony itself is, um, I think, what, December 12th? 12th? That sounds right. Um, so very soon. But let's talk a little bit about the nominees. And specifically, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, of, of uh, categories and whatever you guys want to bring up is fine with me. But the Game of the Year nominees are in alphabetical order. Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and The Outer Worlds. I think we would all agree those games are all deserving of recognition and quite good. But there has been some discussion online there was a, a an interesting article written i think on kotaku by a friend of the show heather alexander uh, about how death stranding has gotten a whole bunch of awards nominations including game of the year um and it you know kind of got very divisive reviews from some of the same outlets that would be responsible for nominating death stranding of course, Keeley is very well known for being friendly with Hideo Kojima. So there was some suggestion. He's also in the game. He's also in the game. Suggestion that that may have been a factor. He denied that vehemently and said he has nothing to do with it. Doesn't vote on the games that get nominated. But I think the, for me, the more pertinent question is that nowhere on this list is Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order and that's not because of a perceived lack of quality for that game. It's because the game was not eligible for the 2019 awards. Because Same it, probably for Pokemon as well. Probably so. Because it, they missed the cutoff by one week. Now, these are the game of the year, the game awards for 2019. These are games that came out in mid-November of that same year, and they are not eligible. The other side of that is Smash Brothers is, right? Like it was a December 2018 release. So you look at like, oh, game of the year. Yeah, Smash Brothers is a really good game. 
wait, they just finished the fighter's pass for it, you know, or whatever it is. But it, it's an interesting calendar that, that the 12 months that it covers, right? It mm-hmm. seems like, I don't know, I call shenanigans, but Lana, I'm very curious what you think about this. Um, I guess I kind of think about it sort of the same way. I feel about it the same way I feel about taxes, where like <laughs> you're doing your taxes for next year, for this year, but like in the spring next year, kind of. Yeah. Like that's when the deadline is. America's weird. So uh, I think they, it might be that way because so many games like come out for the holidays, like for Christmas. So people right. are sort of getting and playing these games at Christmas, where a lot of people are playing through the winter holidays, through New Year's. So some of the games that are coming out at the tail end of the year almost feel like the way that you're kicking off the new year, mm. um, which I, I'm i not really sure uh, why it wouldn't just be, you know, January to December. That seems very logical. But I mean – Unless you're having your award show on New Year's Day, like no matter what, the timing's going to be a little bit off. And so whatever your calendar year is, I mean, that's that's the logic I would see mm-hmm. is that people sort of play through the holidays. And so even if it got released in the last two months, like as long as they can submit for the next year's Game Awards, that's – if they're suddenly ineligible for both because they released in like a one-week window, right. then that's like a super bummer. But um, that would be sort of my only – insight into into how that works seems strange yeah, but I agree I, and and by the way uh, jeff Keeley, if you're listening and you're looking for a new quote to be used for the promotion of the game awards uh the game awards it's like doing your taxes <laughs> uh, you heard it here first <laughs> no. uh, on, you're welcome uh, podcast. um no i i i think it's a little weird too if you're talking about it's calling it the 2019 awards now granted Oscars are weird. Grammys mm-hmm. are super weird. And like somebody's thing will be nominated for a Grammy and it came out two years ago. And you're like, how is this? A, how did that? What, yeah. what the rules? Uh, and f- for the Oscars, they'll actually put out a movie in limited release in a weird, in just a couple of cities just to make the, the cutoff, you know, so it's, it's eligible. And so they, they play ball the, because the Oscars are a big, big deal. I don't think these are quite as uh, important to the financial bottom line of video games, but it kind of feels weird to me. You know, you don't have to have the awards ceremony on December 12th. And I agree with you, Lana, that it is, it is more likely that bigger, more high profile games are coming out later in the year because they're trying to hit that Q4 holiday release window so it just feels like, well, you know, get out of the way of that and just have your award ceremony in the first week of January or so. Yeah. I, I wonder, I was thinking about this, and I wonder if the timing, I think it, it kind of fits in this December 12th window for two reasons. One, originally it was a nice time in the video game calendar release schedule where there wasn't another a major event happening. So we could get some of those exclusive trailers and stuff like that. Two, I wonder if it's more valuable from an advertising perspective because it is pre-Christmas mm. and the Christmas shopping season is still happening. That's where they should. Yeah, probably true. So they can show a commercial for whatever game. And also if a game – like I don't know if this, this – this, let's say uh, uh, Control, a game I love dearly. So they can show that as a game award thing, but it also serves as a commercial to go out and buy it you know, or whatever it is. Or even Jedi Fallen Order, while it might not be nominated, it might be worthwhile for EA to run an ad 
during yeah. the Game Awards. So it's going to get so many millions of views. Totally. Whereas a February 10th Game Award isn't as attractive from an advertiser perspective. I bet you're right about that. That seems very insightful. And I think it's a good point. But it still seems to be a little, uh, I don't know, unfortunate. Uh, is there anything else about the nominees, Lana, that, that jumps out at you or you want to mention? Um, game, I'm really happy to see Controls in Game of the Year. I really, uh, I'm, I haven't finished it yet, but I really have loved it in kind of a, like a spooky way. I don't do well with anything even remotely frightening. And Control is not frightening, but it is kind of spooky spooky so i like play it until my whole body is too tense from being like all these gross things and like kind of like just there's a a tension to it and then i have to put it down for a while and you know go take a a breath um but i really have loved it i think it's gorgeous and so uh just very unique feeling with reading all the stuff i'm i'm really happy to see that's in game of the year um and i'm also super happy to see in best independent game is uh, the Outer Wilds? Mm. I don't know if you guys ever talked about that, or have you played it? Outer Wilds. It is on my list to play before the end of the year discussion because everybody is saying that I would love it, and and I I, I just played it ever so briefly to when it first hit Game Pass, but I have not given it the time it it is due. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how much I loved that no. game. Like so gorgeous and and like sort of mechanically simple but like really beautiful sort of puzzles and things in this really cool tiny solar system world that you're exploring so again i use this word a uh, unique um but it, it felt like such a unique experience compared to anything else i've played this year and i i i loved it i won't say anything about it um because i went into the game totally blind and and uh i i couldn't recommend that more than just going in, don't read about it, don't talk to any more people about it, and just play it. It's fantastic. So I'm very happy to see that in all this confusion between Outer Worlds and Outer Wilds, that Outer Wilds is still uh, getting a mention on Best Independent Game there yet. That's such an unfortunate time for both of those games. to be. It's just like, oh, one vowel is all we got to di- different. <laughs> That's all we get. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Could you guys talk to each other? <laughs> yeah, right. Did anybody? <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of differentiating them, I always look at lists like this, and I, I, I think I've said this every year of the Game Awards, but I do not understand the difference between best action game and best action adventure game. Best action game ah. is Apex Legends, Astral Chain, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Devil May Cry 5, Gears 5, and Metro Exodus. Best action yeah. action adventure game, Borderlands 3, Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, and Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Couldn't it be clearer? Yeah. yeah. So for <laughs> I just was having this conversation. In the same conversation where I was trying to figure out exactly what immersive sim was compared to something like action adventure game or action game or, you know, whatever. Right. The nuance, the only dis- – description that action adventure gave me is like it's an action game but you're you know on an adventure <laughs> but, which, it's so silly but like in apex legends you're not really you could feel like you are personally on adventure but there's not like a plot there where you're like this is my adventure no, I, you're like I, no there are surprise an adventure apex legends yeah i get it okay that's best action game not action adventure i get that legend of zelda links awakening best action adventure game i get that does it but then, like, Borderlands 3 is action-adventure but not action. 
but Gears of Gears Five is action, but not action adventure. What? Maybe maybe it's the level of lightheartedness in the plot. But then Control is not lighthearted, yeah, so I don't. Death it, it, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I find I find Death Stranding surprisingly lighthearted. Personally, <laughs> I have had so many like strangely joyful moments where I've even said something as a joke. Like, oh yeah, now you're gonna strap that girl girl to your back like a corpse. <laughs> and then you do and it. And then and then you do it. It's like what it just that that kind of like there's there's a silliness to it, despite it being very serious. Um you're and right, you're brooding. Right. That any game where you're using your own excrement as a weapon is gotta be in on its own <laughs> joke a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Speaking of all but, these games, uh, oh Christian, I'll let you have the last word on game awards if you want to say anything. I know you hate them. But. Dude, you you amplify my uneasiness with these awards. I do not hate them. Okay. I find their purpose and most question loathe the right word. Uh, greatly despise, I think, is what we landed <laughs> on. Um, this is a year where I feel like, aside from Death Stranding, which I have at my home but have not touched, I've put a good amount of time and or completed all of the. Um, uh, game of the year nominees which is weird i'm not sure if i'm proud of that or, <laughs> or what that means but when i looked at the list i was like i know i won't finish death stranding before december 12th but i was like oh yeah i have an opinion about all of these games that's that feels weird <laughs> <laughs> all right well speaking of the our opinion about games let's jump in and talk about the games we have playing have been playing in the playlist Ooh, All right, Lana, you have talked a little bit about some of the games uh, that you have been playing and some of the games you love, but um, let's jump in. Let's talk. Okay. I want to talk about Control. I do. I want to talk about all the games on your list. The the thing I saw you tweet about that made me go, I am so glad she's coming on the show, Mm -hmm. is Ring Fit Adventure. Oh, yes! You love it. And I've heard (laughs) so many people who love it. This was like... The joke game, the joke announcement that everybody made fun of from Nintendo, Nintendo being Nintendo, and it mm-hmm. sounds like it's actually a good game. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it! It's I, you know, I'm fairly good at keeping up with you know what's being announced and you know the news. I'm pretty bad with keeping up with people's sentiment because I think I just get lost in my own hype. But I saw Ring Fit Adventure and I was like, oh, that looks so cute. I bet that's pretty cool. And then I started seeing all of these reviews from like personal trainers, try Ring Fit Adventure. And um, I uh, I really love uh, fitness. I did high intensity interval training and powerlifting for a long time. And then I blew my knee out training for a marathon and I haven't done it in a long time. You were a power lifter until you took an arrow to the knee. Is that what you just said? Uh, yeah, that is what I said. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and so I've been, you know, if you don't work out for a while, then you have to go work out again. You're kind of like, <laughs> this is fun, but sitting is also fun. <laughs> um, and I saw Ring Fit Adventure and I was like, oh, you know, that's really merging my, some, some loves I got, some video games some fitness. I got to try it out. And it is so, like, joy. I feel just joyful while I'm playing it. And it is, but I'm also, like, very cognizant that it's just manipulating me. <laughs> and I'm okay, I'm okay with that because it's also definitely just a workout. Yeah. Like, it just, that's it. It's not pretending it's not a workout. 
but it just manipulates you into doing it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was absolutely pretending it's not a work. I thought it was like, you got to save the world. And so I, I'm sorry, the only way to do it is by doing, you know, knee raises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's kind of it, but they're like tongue in cheek about it. And like, it's so sweet. So, you know, warning, incoming plot spoilers for the Ring Fit Adventure game here. But it, it is like in RPG where you're this character and you find this ring and it's you accidentally unleash this character who is the personification of everything that's negative about gym culture. <laughs> so he's like a super jacked <laughs> dragon named Drago who's like, well, you're so puny. You can't do this. I'm going to go do some squats and I'll destroy you later, punk. You literally and like, kick sand in your face? Oh no, he like flies away like a like, there's not that much interaction between you and Drago other than him kind of smack talking. And like while you're fighting him, he'll like attack you, but sometimes he doesn't. And the the text just is like Drago's working out comfortably. <laughs> like it's so silly um about this character who is basically like what I think it's so smart because it's it's sort of what people who might want to work out, but they're afraid to get a gym membership, like exactly the type of person they think is going to be greeting them at the gym. Mm -hmm. Like some person who's already super cut and is just a jerk about the fact that you like don't have a perfectly cut beach bod and ready to go. So it it's really jokey in that way. But like when you spawn into the world, you're like with your ring buddy, who I think his name is just ring. Um, but you have like a thigh strap and one of the joy cons is in a thigh strap. And then you have basically, I don't know if you've seen it, it's like a steering wheel yeah. and you snap the other joy con into the steering wheel. And then the motion sensor is very sensitive. So it really knows like where you're pointing and where you're looking and like how much you're moving your leg or your arms. Right. And you spawn into the world and to make your character move in the world, like you got to run. Like they're not going to move forward unless you are jogging in place, hmm. which is already like, as soon as you start doing that, it just feels so silly because your little character starts moving and you're just kind of wiggling in your living room. <laughs> um, but it really can tell. So like from a workout perspective, like if you jog sort of like, I don't know, if you keep your body tighter, like if you have better core and you're like really focusing your legs, your character goes further and faster. Mm. So it sort of manipulates you into doing things correctly because then you'll kind of get it over with sooner, which is like in video games, you always are like, oh, I'm going to go through this battle and I'm going to like, you're always just trying to get to your objectives and you only get to your objectives faster in Ring Fit if you're doing things right. Wow. That's cool. So that's, Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm like just babbling no, about I it. You know, when the game was announced, it had the aroma of something. That, you know, there was that that era when the Wii first came out and the and the Wii balance board first came out. And there were mm -hmm. a bunch of like really crappy games that were ostensibly about working out and put, you know, gamifying working out. But then there was all these YouTube videos of people like, I can just sit here and waggle the thing and it thinks I'm working out. And, you know, it just felt, it, they all felt very shovelwary and, and, and mm -hmm. kind of lazy. And then you, the, the big surprise to me was that that wasn't what this was at all, that this game actually is pretty well-made and compelling. And so many people like yourself are having fun with it and working out with it. 
Yeah. So when you go to like a fight, it sort of turns into, I guess, the equivalent of like a turn-based fight, but your turn is really long and then the monsters just hit you like once. But you you get into a fight with one of these silly monsters and you choose an exercise and then you you like the harder you do that exercise the more damage it does to the monsters mm-hmm. and uh, like the so of course you're like oh i want to do more damage but trying to do more damage you're really just working out harder and they are like squats so if you squat deeper like it can tell just based upon like the angle of your leg like if you're doing like squatting deep enough and it can tell if your arms are keeping your chest upright in the squat because of where the ring is. Right. So it really sort of has two points of making sure you're not doing things too horribly, hopefully, posture-wise. Um, and um, like to protect from the monsters, you have to do like ab guard, which is like you're you're pushing the ring against your tummy as hard as you can. And then so you're like flexing your abs while they're like doing this fight at you. And I'm like describing it so poorly right now. No, but like not. as you're you not, go- It sounds great. Like the, like I, even when I started, I was like, you know, this is cute and it definitely feels like a workout, but I think I wonder how much harder it's going to get. But I like failed my first workout the other day. Like I didn't do well enough at one of the bosses and I failed the workout and I was like shaking, like my legs were jello from doing this crazy leg workout. And I was like, impossible this video game (laughs) like worked me out it's to a point where i actually a human person who knows how to squat couldn't do it (laughs) but like it really is like a great workout wow it is fantastic super fun christian you you won't shut up about crossfit um do you have any uh desired classic (laughs) sorry do you you have any desire to play ring fit adventure and were you like me where you i kind of you kind of wrote this game off well, I want to unpack the first part of your comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do happily and enjoy CrossFit. I've been doing it for years. I feel like I've talked about it on this show maybe once. No, I, I don't mean on this show. I mean uh, in my in, in my life, in life. Well, get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here about... and go to CrossFit because that's where I'm going <laughs> after this is over. Do you, do, you, do you guys know how you can tell that somebody does CrossFit? Oh. Ah, don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> Look, let me just say this. I'm a vegetarian, and I'm not bringing that up just because vegetarians like to talk about it. I'm bringing it up to mention that I also do CrossFit, so that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> um, I, I never wrote off this game. I don't think that's the right thing. I think for me, I am happy with my workout routine, and I don't have space for another Nintendo peripheral and or VR headset and or thing. Lana, so I, I would like you to I like to point out that Christian's review of this is I'm happy with CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy with CrossFit that I couldn't possibly do Ring Fit Adventure. That's I don't uh, have I don't I, have room in my life for another workout routine. I, I do CrossFit case. twice a week and I and I run twice a week. Have I mentioned that I had a chance to run professionally before I blew out my knee? Have we talked about how I was ranked fifteenth in the nation? What what are we talking about I right now? I rest my case. I rest my what case. You rest your tuchus is what you rest, Jeff. You got to join a CrossFit gym. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want to try this ring fit adventure. I, I think that's cool. I love that people are giving it a good 
you know, good reports. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's great. I use it to dodge traffic. So I, I finish work and then if I leave work at like six thirty or something like that, it'll be definitely an hour and a half to get back to my house. Right. So I go and I find one of well like actually one of the nap gyms. No. <laughs> it's actually one of the nap rooms at work, which I think is just supposed to be for like napping if you need a nap. And so people who walk by inverse purpose, (laughs) I'm I'm very nervous because people who walk by, it's like, there's no windows or something, obviously to the nap room. So people who walk by probably just hear like, you got it. Great job. And me like, (laughs) like stomping around like a psycho. Like I have no idea. People at riot nap weird. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a, it's great because you don't need a ton of space to do it. And like, honestly, like, 45 minutes ring fit like sweaty as heck and it's uh yeah it's great yeah a couple of couple of med balls maybe a spare tire a pull-up station you know it's all you need i guess what you're saying is a spare tractor tractor tire though oh yeah not any spare tire tire. uh thanks la traffic i guess that's the the moral of this story Um, yeah don't and don't live in southern california if you can help it hey uh all right so let's uh let's transition to some of the other games you've been playing a control you mentioned loving and christian is also on the loving train i this came out when i had my eye surgery so i still haven't played it but i have vowed i have promised i have sworn a blood oath to christian spicer that i will i will play it before the end of the year uh so as Mm -hmm. to be able to discuss it on our game of the year episode but it sounds like you're considering it one of the best games of the year too yeah, I uh, I really love it. I love uh, – I always don't know how much to say about it because I'm the type of person where I'm like, just tell me you like it and then leave me alone because I want to experience everything new. Um, but I love, I guess, the, the weapon that you use in the game and just like reading all of the tiny pieces of paper in the world. Um, I find really – a surprisingly amazing combination of very high key combat and very low key fun ways of of getting to know the sort of the lore of what's going on in the world. Yeah, I mean, Remedy has always been really good at that at placing fun ways to uh, expand the the lore of their world. You know, whether it's televisions that play things or full on episodes of TV live action games. <laughs> well, you know, less effective perhaps. But um yeah, I'm I'm very excited to try this game finally. Um and I should, I will be soon, but there's just oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, too many games. I thought you were going to say CrossFit. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> um so what else what else is on your playlist, Carolina? Um sort of a lot of things. Near the end of the year, I'm all not always, but I'm I'm fairly frequently like tied up doing art commissions as gifts. So I've been mostly watching games. So I've been watching a lot of the um, it's slipping my mind, Death Stranding, and the oh Pokemon. Well, I'm watching a lot of Pokemon. Um, do you do that as a as a substitute for ever playing the game, or is it just like a stopgap between when you're able to play the game? It depends on the game. I'm not super into Pokemon so much. Uh, I mean, I love Pokemon Universe. Playing it, I just don't care that much for turn-based combat. Um, but I just want to look at all the the Pokemans. Okay, I'm like, oh, that one, that one looks dumb. You know, like this one. This one is cute. Ugh, 
There's like a new evolution or like You're just playing hot like, or not with Pokemons? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I'm playing I'm playing I'm like swiping left on a bunch of those Pokemon. <laughs> but there's a uh like a there's a new I don't know if it's a new evolution, but for like Hitmonchan, there's like a Hitmon top or something who's like a little capoeira buddy i don't know he's hilarious you should check him out um but yeah i don't uh, i don't i don't really feel compelled to play pokemon so i'll I'll definitely watch that um with death stranding that's been like more of a game and watch situation um where that is something i i think i would like to come in and play but i'm sort of fine with just experiencing in in some way because it's, it's the, all the audio it's very it's very relaxing actually yeah. to like sit there and be like doing a charcoal drawing and in the background the menu kind of sounds like that tiny barking dog and it's like burp, burp, burp. <laughs> and then that little robot goes out and delivers your little your little package for you and you know it's cute i like it i find that game very meditative i i, I it is it, the, the music kicks in and you're just walking along you're just mm-hmm. walking just out there walking you know yeah it is yeah it's great. Uh, and you, uh, you're, you're into the MOBAs. You're, you know, you got oh, your, yes. your League of Legends, uh, I think, which is mandated by your company, clearly. Um, <laughs> um, I don't think, I don't know if League of Legends is mandated by the company, but it's certainly uh, rather popular. <laughs> you know, we're, we're in preseason for season 10, I believe. Um, so there's some big changes coming to to the rift there. Um, Here's the Storm is sort of always on my personal playlist. Um, I think Deathwing is coming out pretty pretty soon, which is the last thing I got to animate. Oh, really? You worked on Deathwing? Yeah. Oh. So that's really exciting. Um, and then Monster Hunter with uh, Iceborne coming out in January. Mm-hmm. Been trying to catch up it's my first playthrough of monster hunter so sort of all these like short session things i have like a lot of little games that i can like take a bite out of and then walk away oh and breath of the wild uh which i've been playing forever now i've been just trying to manually find every shrine and i'm four away from from finding the last shrines and i i (laughs) i know because i listen to your podcast that you don't like breath of the wild uh, it's not that i don't like it it's just that i it didn't it didn't hook me in the way that other zeldas have you have to realize that jeff officially doesn't not like anything he just expresses (laughs) like jeff expresses his love for video games the way my child my first graders papers are graded where it's like two stars is the best one star is good a check is okay a smiley face you're failing like you are so failing that's how jeff's video game he's like i like it in real world he hates it i like it a lot it's okay like it was pretty good means like garbage you know I, I, i have said very nasty things about games before I like, also I've, ne- I liked I've never it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I've I've never played any other Zelda games before. Really? Breath of the Fall was my first Zelda. Yeah. I didn't have any I wasn't it's not that I wasn't allowed to play video games growing up, but we didn't own anything that would let me do that. So uh this is my first Zelda game and I, I really love it. It's great. Um yeah. I'm I'm curious if you'll uh go to uh, Link's Awakening after Breath of the Wild. Uh, that's my plan actually. Yeah, it looks. I saw it and I was like, "Oh wow, I recognize that guy." Who's that? What's this cute game? What's this? It's new, and people are like, "Oh, you're the worst." Awesome. You'll be talking about like, I love the way they reinvented the franchise for Link's Awakening. Yeah. <laughs> it went from this open yeah. world game to this like what? Just different screens? Okay, that's a cool take. Yeah. I love it. Uh, awesome. Well, Christian, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Stadia. 
uh, because Stadia came out. We're both founders. I think there's some sort of plaque that we get in the official. We built this streaming console. Yeah, you and me, we founders. This console on Stadia. Yeah, we're there, buddy. We're there. We're there at the very beginning. Although I have to say, not to spoil what I'm about to say, kind of feel like I wasted 130 bucks, but. <laughs> I want to hear what you think of Stadia, and then we'll talk about the games you've been playing specifically. But Stadia is here. We founded it, and it arrived. It showed up. I know you were playing it before it even showed up, but I got me a controller, got me a Google Chromecast Ultra 717, or something like that, because um, it's not the same as a regular control uh, uh, Chromecast Ultra. Anyway, what do you think? So, yeah, well, one, I think there is a two-week return period on this. Uh, really? I've been reading about So you can look into that, Jeff, yeah. I might do that. Um, Two, I love it. If you have been following uh, my tweets since Stadia has come out, I am a true believer in the promise of the premise. So hmm. I want to CrossFit of video game system. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a tractor tire, a pull-up bar, and one <laughs> heavy sandbag, um, so I, I want to admit up front, or you know, state that I am aware of all the things that the unveiling of Stadia showed that are not available at launch, right? Like the first or at founder, it's such a weird launch. It's not officially out yet, but I founded it and I have it, but the you, real, the free thing isn't a thing. But you yet, didn't whatever. found all of it. You didn't found what they, right. you, you still need to find that. Part. You haven't found well, it. Well, I did. I did. It's like Tesla, right? Where Elon was like, and for those of you who bought our $200,000 rebadged uh, Roadster, five years ago thank you without you overpaying for that we wouldn't have been able to make this real right, car right? Right, right. <laughs> so it, i feel like i founded it um yeah you're supporting google at this tiny little startup <laughs> yeah yeah so you noble. know yeah, yeah so noble. You. you're you're you know not all heroes wear capes you know <laughs> that is right some of us pay 130 dollars some um, of us just crossfit incessantly <laughs> <laughs> so when they first unveiled it, they showed this really compelling demo of like he has the, the the person demoing it had their controller and they played on a phone. Then they walked over to a tablet and like you know picked up right there on the tablet. Then they walked over to a computer, tap computer, then onto the big screen, onto the big screen. They talked about like the YouTube integration of it, where you see me playing this game and you want to join, you click join, and now we're playing together and there's no download and this that and the other. That stuff as presented on stage does not currently exist in the version of Stadia that I have. What does exist... Or that anyone has. Correct. Yeah. That is publicly available right, right now. Correct. Um, but what it does exist is a way to play a game with zero downloading, zero patching. I just push a button and I am playing a game. And so it helps that I really like Destiny 2, and it is one of the games that is included with this founder's price, three months of pro. Um, my home internet is very quick, so it works really well there. Um, my office internet is even quicker. I think my office internet is 95 down, 100 up. Um, my home internet, I think, is like 70 down and 25 up. Are you on, are and, you on playing on Wi-Fi in both of those places, or uh, I am, I am playing on on Wi. I tried. I played both Wi-Fi at the office, um, Wi-Fi and wired at home. Um, and I played on um, a computer 
I played on a MacBook Pro, I played on my desktop, and I played on the Chromecast Ultra plugged into my TV with the Stadia controller wire, wirelessly, which is currently the only way the Stadia controller works wirelessly is with the Chromecast Ultra. And then I also played with an Xbox 360 controller plugged into my computer. I played with a DualShock 4 um, Bluetooth to my computer. And, um, or was that, no, it was probably wired also because I doubt I synced it. But yeah, Um is is there a difference between that and playing Destiny 2 on my 2070 Super? 100% yes. Like I sat at my computer and I played them back to back. And because of cross-save, it was literally the same thing I was doing. Destiny 2 supports cross-save across all uh, ecosystems that it lives on, right? So I was able to play the very same things back to back. And I noticed the, vis- the visual fidelity was, was less on Stadia, which is also kind of counter to their promise of like all of the computers. Um, and it, it played, the best way I could describe it, it was like, it, it felt a tad, it was noticeable. I don't want to say floaty or it didn't seem like there was lag, but it maybe felt like the difference, and maybe it was, the difference was like 144 frames and 60 or something like that, where it kind of felt like that jump from 60 frames per second to 30 for something that most people can kind of appreciate. But for, for me, what I really like about it, and maybe I'm a unique use case, is that it works on any screen, right? Like eventually it'll be on iOS as well. Right now it's only Pixel tablets or whatever. But that I feel like is such a breath of fresh air for the way I want to consume games when I have time, when I'm at the screen I'm at, all I need to have is this controller. And if no kids are watching, you know, all of the stuff on Disney Plus, I can sit down and I'm playing on my big screen. If I'm in my office, I'm sitting at my computer right where I was. If I'm uh, at the kitchen table, I'm on my iPad and I'm playing there when it comes to that. And it's always just bringing my save right with me and I'm never stuck waiting for 150 gig Call of Duty Modern Warfare to download before I can start playing it. I'm never waiting because I wanted to cross-compare Destiny on PS4 because I moved to excuse me, PC for most of my Destiny playing now. It's like, I wonder how this compares to it on my PS4. And I went to play and it was a 45 minute update to sit and play Mm. this game. And so like the appeal of all of those things that what Stadia can do. And to me uh, at my home and at my office, it played good enough that I don't think anyone would walk by and notice. It didn't look like all artifacty. You know, like, oh, what are you streaming? Or And you picked up the controller and played with it at the office as well, as did others. And I don't think you pick it up and think, there's lag. Like, it plays well. And to have that just available, I think, is, is absolutely phenomenal. It's something that I'm 100% sold on. I tweeted this out, and I stand by it, that if Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Red Dead Redemption 2 allowed for cross-save, not cross-play, but just cross-save, a way for me to get my save from my consoles over to Stadia, I'd rebuy both games on the service just to have, just so I can play when I have time to play them. Like, I really do believe in the tech when you have good internet. The, the caveat to all that is that I am currently not on good internet, uh, and I brought my Stadia controller specifically to try it to see what it was like. Um, well, I'm not on bad internet, but my internet, I texted it to you so I can find it again really quickly. Yeah. 14 down and six up is the Wi-Fi I'm on right now, which is, you know, good per Stadia's system check. It says it should work. And I was playing Destiny 2 and for 30 minutes, it was fine. And then after that, I got a lot of fits and starts of like 
looking like the the kid in the whitest kids you know call of duty sketch from 10 years ago where i'm spinning in a circle just like ah, ah, like i'm not touching the controller yeah. like 30 minutes very playable after that i don't know if someone else turned on netflix somewhere else on the same wi-fi or what happened or if it was just data limiting or whatever but it was not playable. Like if this were my experience, I would not recommend it. But with my internet and no data cap at home, I 100% recommend this system. Like there are differences, but all of those differences are worth it to me for the convenience of instant playability. It's the same thing like I'm not paying for Tidal and I often will use Apple earbuds and I know that Tidal has lossless music and my Apple AirPods aren't the best quality, but it's like the convenience of popping that thing open, putting them in my ears, the Bluetooth automatically working, and Apple Music playing. I, I'm okay with that decrease in audio fidelity, just like Netflix. I know that if I have – I own the HD Blu-ray of uh, whatever it is, the newest – whatever. Just pick a movie. It doesn't matter, Christian. Uh, Justice League. Um, that's the movie you picked it's a beautiful movie oh my Uh, but whatever Uh, (laughs) Force Awakens okay and I and I put that in uh, Spider-Verse I have that I have that disc (laughs) I have that HD Blu-ray we we got there Lana, we got we there. We can respect you now. We got there. As a, as a team, we got there. Sorry, I'm just so gassed from CrossFit today that my brain's not working. <laughs> I can put Spider-Verse in the disc, and it will look better, but nine times out of ten, I don't, right? I'm using it via the download digital version that I have that came with it yeah. because I don't need to put the disc in. So to right. me, all of those trade-offs – the visual fidelity decreases and whatever are worth it for that instant playability. But the huge caveat is in my personal testing of it, you got to have good internet, but I'm super, super satisfied with it for my current internet usage and and quality. I have good internet. I have a hundred down. At least that's what they tell me. And I've done tests where I get pretty consistently that. Um, And I put my Google Chromecast ultra attached to my television. I did not try it wired, even though the email that they send to the founders saying, hey, thanks, founders. Here's some guidelines. You got to plug that in. You got to plug it all in. I did not do that because... To be fair, my Chromecast is not plugged in. The plugged in test I did was on PC because my PC is plugged in. So Destiny on my PC local and Destiny on my Stadia, that was plugged in. My Chromecast is not uh, wired internet. Well, I did not plug it in because there's no universe in which I'm going to be plugging in my Chromecast to my television. No. There's just no universe right. for that happening. <laughs> uh, so it's like, well, if I'm going to use this thing, I'm going to use this thing. How I'm going to use it. That's that's how I'm going to use it. And um, I've, I, I did play it at work with you, and I was impressed with how it didn't seem to be any different looking at a laptop screen. Uh, and it didn't. I didn't perceive any lag when you handed me the controller, and I played for you know two and a half minutes there. Playing at home... I will say the the idea of being able to push one button and a game appears is pretty amazing. It's it's truly amazing and it does feel like the future. But I immediately got in the game and I you know how Destiny has that little circular cursor instead mm-hmm. of actually, you know, selecting a menu item, you move a cursor over it. I pushed my the stick to move the cursor and it was a full second before the cursor moved. Full wow. second. Uh, that was the first thing that happened. I was like, rut row, you know, rut row. Um, 
playing the game was p- very playable. Uh, the, 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 there was noticeable, it felt a little sluggish. It felt a little like I was walking through molasses sometimes. And there was one moment early on where I pushed the right bumper button to do a melee attack and nothing happened. And I pushed it two more times and then a melee attack happened. And you get precisely zero of those if you're trying to sell a game like this, right? You don't get, oh... Or sell a system like this, yeah. Exactly. Selling a system that does this, you don't... It has to never happen. It has to... That has to never happen. Unfortunately, there's no, like, grading on a curve of how difficult this tech is to pull off, which seems to me extremely difficult. And it's extraordinary that it happens at all. It's extraordinary that I can push a button and I'm playing destiny. That's extraordinary, but like it kind of doesn't matter because the other version is I waited, you know, two hours to play it, but then I never had to wait again until there was another update, right? That's a one-time speed bump that is not as bad as, sometimes I push the melee attack and it just doesn't go off. See, I, I feel like, and I don't disagree with you, but I feel like listening back in my head to our conversations when VR first came out, and this is as someone who also was an early adopter of VR, and I was kind of like, you know, it's good and I like it, but I want the, I guess what basically is the index, right? Like the field of view, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, yeah, it's fine, but but da 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 And you were like, but it's it's immersive and there's nothing else. And I feel like now we've kind of flipped. Like I think everything you're saying about Stadia, uh, you know, your shortcomings with it are accurate. But to me, as I'm hoping it's ironed out by whatever the time this comes out in air quote full release in 2020, if it can be. But to me, the, the promise of the premise is still so strong mm-hmm. that I think you do get some of those. Like this is early access this is whatever it is and i think the magic of just i'm I'm, i brought my wife and kids out and i was legit like i I, I, this game doesn't exist here (laughs) i'm I'm playing this thing that there's no game and my kids were like so it's like netflix and i was like but it's a game (laughs) you don't understand i would be 100 percent on board with you if the entire launch library was available for my 9.95 or 9.99 a month uh, stadia pro subscription but my bigger complaint about this is that I'm ostensibly signed up for a $9.99 a subscription. I have the first three months included in my 130 bucks that I paid for a controller, I guess. Um, a controller on a Chromecast. In a Chromecast. You're right. You're right. But the, the $9.99 doesn't get me this uh, Netflix-style uh, menu library of games. But I then still stop paying the nine ninety nine. Listen, listen, the nine ninety nine is supposed to get me four K HDR, right? Mm-hmm. There was no moment, no moment when I was playing Destiny on my four K HDR forty two inch television in my office where I got four K or HDR. My television. I wonder if Destiny supports HDR. I don't know if PC. it does. It does on PC. Does it? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It does. It does. It, it absolutely supports HDR on, on PC. Uh, and it, there was no moment where it hit 4K. No moment. It looked fine, mostly. Yeah. I did have several moments where it kind of got pixelated like I'm streaming or like a bad YouTube load or something. Um, but most of the time, it looked fine. Not 4K. It was never uh-huh. in 4K. Never. So what am I paying for? 
what am I paying that money for? Like, yeah, I get it. It's tough. It's tough to deliver that over a wide variety of internet connections and routers and strange ecosystems that every person's house has. I get it. That's hard. But you can't charge me $10 a month and tell me I'm going to get 4K HDR and not have any 4K HDR available when I buy this thing. Like it, 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 that is – I'm getting three months free of not getting what I what, – what, what is this? What, why am I paying for this ostensibly? You know, like yeah. I, I, I was – I immediately was like I got to cancel this so I don't forget to cancel this because yeah. they're not, I'm not getting anything. I, and, and again, it, it comes down to the fact that maybe this is unfair of me, but I do believe that they should have uh, made a service that had a whole bunch of titles for one low fee. And, and, and that's not the service they made. And that's not fair of me to ask them to be making something they're not making. But that to me is the win. To be able to play on any device anywhere, anytime, and you've got a, a huge library that I didn't have to pay for again of games that are all old that I likely, if you're a founder, you've purchased once already. Just right. it, 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 it's frustrating to me and it makes me feel like I wasted 130 bucks because I'm not getting anything. I don't, I don't have anything. It's not a better experience playing Destiny than it is on my PC or on my Xbox or PlayStation. Y- yes, I can. Pl- you can play it at work. Yes, you can play it on a phone. I'm different than you maybe i'm probably not going to be doing that very much so that's not as valuable so i guess it should i shouldn't have purchased it in the first place but i can't help but feel disappointed and yeah you know i, don't know. I think to sum it up i think you're saying you really like it <laughs> I, I have to say i think the controller is is feels good in the hand it's it's I do really, like the controller a nice controller it's not bad at all the d-pad is excellent and the control itself feels pretty good. The setup process is pretty quick and intuitive. And yeah, the moment where you push a button and you're in a game is kind of magical, except for the fact that the game doesn't look or feel as good as it does on my PC. And I only had to download it on my PC the one time. So yeah, I, don't know. I, th- I think for me, I wish, well, one, I'll say this, the Darksiders Genesis, it comes out first on PC and Stadia. The console version has been delayed. Um, it, that is going to be the first game I'm going to buy on Stadia. I because I want to buy into the eco. You know, I, I want to. This is the only way I can play this game. What is it like? Because I think you and I had talked about before, like in today's world of reviewing games. Like if you had played Destiny on Stadia, you'd be like, it's unresponsive, and everyone right. else would be like, are you kidding me? It's incredible. <laughs> so I'm curious what my Darksiders Genesis air quote review will be. Is it how much is that the game? How much is Stadia? I don't know what a weird world we live in. Yeah. Um, but two, I, I feel like you'd maybe be more satisfied with Stadia if it was following more closely the xCloud approach, where right now it is, air quote, free, and you have this wide selection of games that you don't need to own because they're it's still very much in public beta, and they just added a whole bunch more games. I don't think that's going to be their model going forward. I think it'll be some version of Game Pass Plus an extra thing i'm just speculating on top of that but i feel like the way that they are advertising it to consumers in terms of like hey we're testing this don't you know don't worry about it. this is you taking the games you already have with you i think is a, a different approach than kind of how stadia walked out on stage google walked out on stage with stadia with these big promises and maybe now is rolling them back or failing to deliver or another one that 
you know, we got emailed about full disclosure. I got a code, blah, 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 but I hadn't played with, and I've played with just a little bit now is uh, GeForce Now, which is NVIDIA's kind of solution to this, where they also are trying to make it so that you are bringing your games with you. It's not rebuying games. It's not every game, but kind of trying to like take games from your Steam library and, you know, now through the power of the cloud, you can play those wherever. And that's still also kind of in a rollouty phase. So I wonder if that would placate's not the right word, but like soften the blow for you a little bit where it's like if Google were out here saying like, hey, this is early. We're very excited about it. If you pay 130 bucks, you get a Chromecast so you can try it on your TV and you get this controller that, you know, it's cool because you can wirelessly connect to XYZ um, and you get access to this library of 10 games that we have this relationship with our these publishers, you know, try our service, help us make it better. I think that to you, you'd be much more forgiving and accepting than them kind of selling you this thing. And then on top of that, selling you a library of excellent, but old games. Yes. I mean, I think, I think there were two ways they could have gone. One is, Hey, this just works with all the stuff you already have. How amazing is it that on any old dumb computer you've got, you can play the best and the the, the highest you can play end. Red Dead 2 yeah. on a Chromebook. Yeah, yeah. you can play it on anything. It, it, it's all you got to do is buy the game again, and now you've got it on any stupid system you want, any phone, any tablet. If that had been the sell, I'd been like, that's incredible. If the or if the sell is, hey, ten dollars a month, but you've got a whole bunch of games that you can play anywhere, and you know, here are all the cool partnerships we've got, here are all the cool games. You know, it doesn't have to be 100. It could be, like you said, 10 or 15, whatever, 12, a dozen. I think that would be a cool thing too. But right now it's, hey, it's $10 a month for something that doesn't even happen. It's $10 a month for 4K HDR and Dolby Surround. I do not believe I ever saw that happen on my television. So that to me is what where the biggest fail seems to be. Is like, what are you charging for? What are you charging me money for? What am I getting out of this? Um, it, you know, it's frustrating. I think for some stuff like this, that is, you know, it's a, it's a new frontier of of what could be possible and and how we're bringing games and and, and media to people on these these different variety of places. And I, and I almost feel like for moments like this, that feels like a bummer. Maybe like the only way you could really look at it, it's like you've almost cast your vote in what you want to see in the future. Yeah. Like it really sucks. To hear that, like your gaming experience is, has been bad, probably feels bad from those de- developers who made those games, being like, "Hey, we don't want you to have a bad play experience." And obviously, it's, uh, and I hope it doesn't sound like I'm being apologetic on the side of Google, because like, yeah, get your stuff together, Google, on that front. But like, as a developer, the fact that you like people would buy something like this, like making purchases on something that might not be the exactly what you want it to be in that moment, but are in the direction you want to see the industry go. Like there's still something like, I feel like, you know, talking about like, Oh, the, like these, these heroes of tomorrow for signing up for these uh, stadia experiences. But like you buying this is telling the industry what you want as a consumer. And that guides people in how they're going to make games for you. So I think at the very least, like if that's something that you're interested in, like, I haven't experienced it. I don't necessarily <laughs> think it's going to be super functional right now because I get crazy lag spikes on my internet. So there's no way in hell I can barely play on a game that is just like connected to the internet on my PC right now. I hope they fix that. Um, but I like by you guys signing up for this now and anybody who did sign up for stuff like this now, 
like I have so much hope for that kind of idea in the future. Um, yeah. What you're saying is that I, I should put my pre-order down on the Cybertruck. What you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, man. That thing is beautiful. Yeah, totally it's beautiful. I, I, yo, I don't. I like the design, and by I like the design, I mean I I I respect that it's something new. Yeah. My friend uh, Mike Higgins said it best, I think, where he said, you know. All cars have been sort of the same in design and the same in boring design for 40 years. So anybody doing anything new is amazing. So I'm excited about that. But, you know, it doesn't like you can't take a sledgehammer and break the door. Like don't cars crush so that you don't crush inside of them. It's a question. Someone answered questions. But, uh, you know, uh, I think ultimately (laughs) I'm – I'm just da- – I'm down for the, what you're saying. I'm down for – oh, my gosh. Somebody just did something different and everybody's going to yes. just say, oh. I just feel like finally somebody's like, let's let's just make something that is so out there and wild. I, that's why I, I set, brought it up at the context of this conversation because you're like, hey, if this is what you want to see the industry go to, that's where you should vote with your dollar. And it's like, yeah, you know mm-hmm. that's – I want more people to be d- daring and try cool stuff and push the envelope. So, so maybe yeah, it you was- didn't buy Pontiac Aztec when you had the chance. <laughs> I loved that when it came out. I got, I was like, "Ooh, a tent!" I mean, the the Cybertruck got me the same way. I'm like, "Oh, it's camping!" Like, I loved it. All right, we have uh, we have taken up more of uh, Lena's time than than. I intended to do. Uh, we're already. Oh, running. I have no life or plans. Oh, but good. That's... Okay. Well, let's keep on talking then. Uh, let me thank our <laughs> second sponsor, which is Quip. One of the coolest things about doing the show is that I have sponsors that I actually care about. I actually feel good about recommending. And that is Quip. I recommend Quip to everybody. We are a three Quip household right now where we've got multiple Quips, multiple family members using Quips. Quip is a toothbrush. It is a toothbrush, a remarkably simple electric toothbrush created by dentists and product designers to focus on what actually matters to you and your oral health. Let me translate that. It's changed my life. (laughs) How did the toothbrush change your life? It has made me actually brush my teeth for two minutes, which is what dentists recommend, I never did that. My whole life, I never brushed my teeth once for twenty for two minutes. But that's what dentists recommend. How did Quip do it? Well, it pulses. Every 30 seconds, it gives you a little vib- vibration, a little pulse in your mouth. And you're like, oh, 30 seconds went by. Then after two minutes, it turns itself off, which is awesome. So I don't have to think about it. I don't have to like set a timer. I don't have to go, oh, my mind wandered. How, how long have I been brushing my teeth? The Quip's got that for me. And it just feels better to know that I'm doing the right thing and I don't have to worry about it. It doesn't have to be a stress point or an anxiety like, oh, how long did I brush my teeth? No, Quip's keeping track of it for me. Also, the other thing they keep track of is how I have to refresh your brush head every three months, which is what dentists recommend. I don't, I've been using a toothbrush. I'll use a toothbrush for years. I'm so dumb. It'll be like this this horror show of bristles all this way and that with a divot in the middle. I'll still use it because I'm lazy, but Quip <laughs> automatically delivers brush heads to you every three months. And it's super easy. They got clear, cool little instructions that make it simple. It's like, it's like a tech product. You just pop it off, pop it back. In, it goes 
clicks in. You got a new brush head. Feels amazing. You go, oh, this is what toothbrushes are supposed to feel like. The design is simple to use. It's not complicated. Comes with a travel cap that doubles as a mirror mount. I have mine mounted on my mirror. It's awesome. Stays off the table. It's clean. It's cool. Quip makes brushing something you actually want to do twice a day, which I do. It's awesome. And your oral care matters. So ditch the gimmicks, grab a Quip. Hey, we're going to help you out. Quip starts at just 25 bucks. You get your first refill free when you go to getquip.com slash DLC. It's a simple way to support DLC and start brushing better, but you have to go to getquip.com slash DLC to get your first refill free. So go right now, getquip.com slash DLC. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash D-L-C. All right, Christian. Uh, you also playing that Pokemans, right? I have finally started Pokemon Sword. Uh, so, full disclosure to the subreddit: one, I see you; two, I beat Jedi Fallen Order. I want to do a spoiler cast about that at some point. Um, I will just say quickly: the last level or whatever area of that game is exquisite. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I would love to talk more about it in the future. We will, um, we will but I'm uh, in the middle of right now. So. <laughs> Yes, so I have started Pokemon Sword. So with that dis- disclaimer out about, yes, I do finish games uh, sometimes. Um, I have just started Pokemon. I'm maybe three hours in. I'm in the second city. I've gone through my first wild area. I'm, I'm young. I'm young in the game. I anticipate the way I'm playing it. I'll probably take me about 20, 25, depending on how distracted I get. Um, all of that being said, while I understand the... Uh, drama surrounding pokemon sword and shield uh the pokedex and deleted pokemon and things that are in the game that are taken out and how it's been streamlined for youngsters and this that and the other i really like it so far i I, there's something magical about pokemon that i think where i harry potter didn't quite click for me my friends that are really into harry potter they talk about how it transports them and how it it's this magical wonderful cool world where they felt like they were a student at hogwarts and you just kind of have this feeling of being transported to this fun beautiful imaginative world and to me pokemon is often that where no matter the region it always feels kind of like a vacation version of it whether it's hawaii or now england or wherever you were and it's people are friendly and even the challenges and in your rivals and team rocket before whatever it's always like done in a very um fun schoolhouse like we're the mustangs and you're the vipers and we don't get along kind of like disney channel original you know like rivalry that i find really endearing and i think like i talked about finding these new pokemon and seeing them (laughs) is is so wonderful right like some of the designs in pokemon sword are so off the wall and I find that for a series that has been around for as long as it have, uh, still very inventive and imaginative, the ones that I've come across, I, I really like it. I, I'm really, really enjoying my time in the game. The, the knock I will have against it right now is that I feel like Let's Go Eevee, the version I played in Let's Go Pikachu, kind of took the wind out of the sails just a little bit for me because... While this game, I think, is prettier than Let's Go, I am blown away by what kind of like Luigi's Mansion, I talked about it at Link's Awakening, what the Nintendo um, 
artist create on this clearly underpowered hardware now that the art direction and art design is just absolutely stunning um having already seen the pokemon in real life you know full size 3d animated in let's go i think makes pokemon sword and shield seem a little less it takes my breath away a little less whereas i think if let's go hadn't come out and this was my first foray into a quote-unquote you know big pokemon game on a on the switch i think i'd be even more impressed by like how beautiful and how stunning it is as is i i think it looks a little better than let's go but it's not blowing me away in the same way um and i don't know if these changes are made for youngsters to get into it by how everybody levels up you don't need to wait till you earn this and you can send someone to a box from wherever and blah 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 i love it as an, as an old in the middle of too many games, I love all of this streamlined uh, approach to Pokemon. So I understand that some diehard, hardcore, long lifelong Pokemon fans are a little upset with the direction that Sword and Shield took. But for me, three hours in, I am very charmed by the game, and I'm really, really enjoying my time with it. You know how I know you're an old? It's because you use the term youngsters. <laughs> do you know how else you know i'm an old that i do crossfit i call crossfit where your dad goes to work out like that's what <laughs> no youngsters there oh i think my one bummer about pokemon i know there's like a bunch of drama about it whatever but i my one thing that i will like be avidly critical about is i just want to rotate the pokemon in mm. the pokedex i want to see all like I want to just look at the model. They're like they're all so cute and interesting and unique and simple in their design. And I just want to fully appreciate them, and I can't rotate them in the menu. And that's like my one like oh I wish I could do that. Yeah, I think if you go into like move and size, you can turn them some. I'll be honest, I don't do a lot of that, but I think I know you can turn them a little bit. But I don't know if you can do a full a full three D spin of them. But uh, yes, huh? Interesting. Uh, well, I'm sure you'll be talking a lot more about Pokemon in the future because you're just starting on your Pokemon journey. Um, I want to talk about Disco Elysium, but uh, we're going so long that I'm going to save that for next week because I've been playing Disco Elysium. And it is not a short conversation about that game. That is a very intense game. I, I will say it is on my short list for uh, favorite games of the year right now. Mm. Uh, even though I have just scratched the surface with it, uh, it's extraordinary. The systems in that game are really cool, and there's not anything else quite like it. it, it it's reminiscent of a bunch of different things, but it is its own unique thing, and I am so glad I gave this game a chance because it is something special. Disco Elysium, and I'll, I'll tease that more for discussion in the future, hopefully next week. Um but let's I, – I, I did not want to end this episode without a little tabletop time because Lana has uh, a game <laughs> that she's been playing that I love too and I want to talk about it. So let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Right now. Right now. All right. Uh, I see that Lana just – tweeted us the fact that you, you can't rotate the Pokemans. No, no. I'm sorry. I didn't, I did that. I did not know that it would immediately. Oh, it's perfect. I mean, I knew you'd get it, but it. it's uh that it's uh that the Capoeira Pokemon. Oh, the Capoeira uh, Pokemon. 
I love it. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit of tabletop time. We haven't done this in, a, in quite a while on the show, so I, I, there's a million things I could talk about. But Lena, you've been playing Gloomhaven, which is a yes. game I adore. Uh, tell me about it. Um, I've been playing it uh, for a while. It was like very routine, like almost like once every weekend I would get together. I have like a uh, my my Gloomhaven group, and we would always like every week we'd get together and play the game. It is just so fantastic in like the experience of, of getting the game and it being this, the, the largest box for a board game I might've ever seen in my life um, to uh, we got as a gift, those like put togetherable wooden dividers oh, yeah. so that you can more easily get it in and out of the box. I have that for Gloomhaven as well. I got it as a Christmas present last year. My, my wife gave me the, the, which like dividers for a box. I was giddy and the putting it together, mm-hmm. The, the way it fits into the box is 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 like magic. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, can't say enough about those. Those are cool. Yeah, we all have like a like a little job. Like it's got it shows like for the tray where you put all the different board pieces, and it has like the little map yes. of how to stack them. That's like that's my job. I stack the. That's the, the only things annoying thing for me is like by the time I'm done playing, is like I don't want to have to. Re- refer back to the weird map about layering <laughs> but <laughs> that's my responsibility and i do it with diligence and uh you know i i, I take my job seriously but uh yeah i just i love everything about it you know we have a ceremonial tin where we put all the ripped up cards so let me let me just give a quick overview about what gloomhaven oh, is. oh yeah i'm sorry no, yes no, please okay uh, if you're not familiar with the game, it is a it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons in a box, but you don't need a dungeon master. It's a it's a big sprawling adventure with combat and monsters and multiple classes of heroes and there are things that change and progress. The the board itself gets change you add stickers to places you've been and there are new rules that get implemented and stuff happens and new boxes in the box get unlocked that you can open and change things and discoveries happen and you can refer back to things that happened way long ago and characters will die and then you can start new characters that you couldn't even start at the beginning of the game so it's this wild multi-hour evolving thing that happens all with cardboard and paper and on the table so there you go yeah sorry that was a fantastic uh, way better description than i could ever give um i have heard some from some uh, critiques from friends where they they felt like they they weren't able to get role play enough with it so if you are a big fan of like really hard role play D or you're very serious in your character then then maybe it's not for you but it i've had so much fun you get like a little character sheet so you can you know, you you're picking a human scoundrel or Easter summoner or whatever it is you are, um, choosing your role. And you, but you can pick your name, like you know, like your own personality, so that when you come to different events, um, where you'll pick like a road event and a city event that you do is sort of in between each of these rounds, that you're sort of making decisions based upon around how you and your characters would interact with this world of Gloomhaven and. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I play um I actually have not retired my first character yet. Wow. That's cool. So uh, everybody else has retired a character so far, but my personal quest sort of the way you go through the game is you get 
I, I don't know the names of these things right now, but you get your personal quest that you have to fulfill. And once you do it, you're done with that character. Yeah. It's not like a, a choice that you make where you're like, you know, but I just like this one. Like it sort of in, encourages you to try new things and you can roll another of the same thing that you just did. But once you've fulfilled your quest, your character retires. They've they've done their mission. And my mission was to kill 15 bandits. And we have not seen another bandit since the first time we've played. Wow. Like the way that we've chosen which which paths we're going down, I've never seen it. So now I'm like, I'm almost level nine. you're not doing your, your squats right. You got <laughs> you to hit those squats. You know, no rep, no rep. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got you. Got to get the get, get the right depth. Yeah. <laughs> Ninety degrees, knees out. Come on. Um, but uh, I'm like, I love. I'm I'm playing a human sc- a scoundrel whose name is Scoundrel. Right. Um, it's it's it, it, foolish, but it is uh, it's so much fun. She's like the rogue type character. We're just going invisible and blowing up enemies in the middle of of these various dungeons we're going through and. Yeah, the combat system I think is really cool. The um, the the universe is not quite exactly Tolkien. It's kind of got its own twist on stuff, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just think all the systems in that game are so clever and so cool. And I, I totally interrupted you when you were saying that you guys have a special place for all your ripped up cards. I think that's like the such of the fun of this game is is that there's the, these surprises waiting for you in the box. Yeah. Yeah. And just how satisfying it feels. And like, you know, your whole life growing up, at least my whole life growing up, you're playing a board game and like board games are expensive. You want them to have this longevity. You don't want, you have to be nice to the pieces and you want the cards, you put them in little sleeves to make sure nothing is get damaged. And just how strangely satisfying it is as an adult to be like, Ooh, I'm destroying some of this. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's very a cool and visceral way of being like, yeah, we made this choice and we're moving forward. It's, it's very, very awesome. Yeah. Such a, such a uh, great game. It is not for the faint of heart price wise. It is a, a very expensive mm. experience, but you know, if you can have a group, like Lana seems to have to get together and play it as a team and do it over the course of, you know, many, many sessions. It, it's such a, such an extraordinary thing. Um, I, mm-hmm. I fantasize about playing this through with my kids someday. Uh, have you played through the whole thing? No, 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 no. Oh. I have not. I, I was like, dang. No, but I, I, I fantasize about someday, you know, starting it again with my kids and um, it, you know, it's such a, such a neat universe and oh they're mm-hmm. making a digital version it, they have announced yeah. they're making a digital version so i don't know if that will take away some of the charm of gloomhaven uh but but it, like the excitement of like the unlocking yeah. something about like, that the tangible experience of knowing there's boxes that is just your self-restraint that stops you from yes. <laughs> just yeah. digging through it yeah, um, yeah. Uh, i fantasize about playing a character that gets more than nine cards in their hand at any one time right. that's what i <laughs> Yeah, the comments are fewer long rest. It needs it needs uh you need to play cards and and but they're they're double-sided. It's really a clever thing where you have to decide which way you're going to use your card and it's it's really a clever uh, system. Yeah. And the collaborative element of of you know, everybody having their numbers and saying when they're you sort of start each round by whoever has the the lowest number is going to go first in the turn. And the monsters all have cards with numbers on them as well. And like talking out loud through what you plan to do and working together to finish these, these different sort of combat puzzles 
uh, in a way is uh, playing through it with your kids. It seems like that's a such a great experience of like having fun, but also just cr- like working together and thinking critically on a situation. It's it's a, p- a perfect experience for that kind of thing. Well, I hope you, I hope they think that they better. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you fantasized of your kids going, ugh. Dad, oh, yeah. Fine, Dad. Oh. I mean, that's much more likely, but I'm I'm still holding on to hope that that they'll be like <laughs> the best dad. You're the best dad ever, and I just want to spend time with you. <laughs> <laughs> All oh right, well, let's wrap the show up. Now, this has been an awesome one, Lana. You've been so much fun. Thank you for being here, uh, Lana Bashinsky. Thank you so much. Uh, where can people keep up with you and the things you do online? Um, I can be found online under the username Latienai, uh, which is spelled L-A-T-I-E-N-I-E, um, is how you say that. And that's the same thing for Twitter and Instagram, uh, on Reddit as well. Uh, you can also find me at riot underscore Lana B on Reddit um, if you're interested in connecting about uh, video game development or League of Legends. Um, but I also run the, for any game devs listening or are hopeful game devs, people interested in that, I run the animation bootcamp at the Game Developers Conference. So I'll be there as well as the Animation Exchange, which is an online animation conference in partnership with Twitch that we'll be announcing more stuff about that later. Um, and I think that's all the best ways. Twitter's the best of any of them. Uh, hit me up. I'd be delighted to chat anytime. Open DMs. Very cool. Very cool. And maybe we'll, uh, I, I would love to meet up at GDC this year. It'd be fun to, to say hi. Although we're like literally in the same city. We can do that anytime. But. Yeah, we can just get coffee like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, true. it's easier for all of us to meet in San Francisco than it is to find a place in LA that works. <laughs> <laughs> good point. <laughs> Unfortunate, but good point. <laughs> Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Uh, nothing really this week. I'm out of town all week doing the the thanks and the given and, and seeing friends and traveling and stuff like that. Um, but hopefully some stuff very soon that I can announce that is very awesome, but I have a feeling it's going to be longer than that. But um, some 2020 stuff is coming together, so hopefully uh, I'll be able to talk more about that uh, very soon. But Twitter's a good way to keep in touch, at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. And when I am at home, I usually stream this show Sunday, 7.15 p.m. Pacific on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And when you're not at home, you're probably CrossFitting. So, Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean I'm doing that and bringing my Stadia controllers just to Starbucks and being like, oh, let's see how well it works here. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Stadia at CrossFit. Like it. Okay, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> You can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. If you want to email this show, it's dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting your feedback, your emails of all kinds there. You can also uh, listen to me talk about movies and TV shows on another show I do called The Slash Filmcast. Although I'm not on this week. I'm taking a, a week to off because of the, the holiday. But um, they will still be carrying on without me talking about Jojo Rabbit. Uh, and then I'll be back the following week. But check that show out. It's at SlashFilmCast.com. I also do a live play Dungeons & Dragons show where I am the Dungeon Master. Uh, and man, there right now, this very moment, whenever you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, this the week that this came out, there is a massive marathon happening of all the episodes of the Dungeon Run we have done so far. They started as a big – we're taking Thanksgiving week off. 
but they're doing a, a huge marathon. So you can tune into that anytime. It's pretty wild uh, by going to caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. You can also catch up on any episodes of that show by checking them out on YouTube by searching for the dungeon run or by listening to them as an audio podcast. It works really well, actually it kind of plays like an audio book. You can find that at the dungeon run on in any podcast app of choice. Uh, it's a show I'm very proud of. and I hope you give it a shot. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Lana, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. I have I have two uh, quick little ones. Uh, one, uh, the podcast, especially if you're taking a big road trip, maybe to see your family. It is a holiday week coming up, so I'm sure a lot of people are traveling. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously that's fantastic. Um, but uh, if you are interested in talks with game development, the AIAS Game Makers Notebook uh, is another fantastic podcast with uh, Ted Price is an amazing interviewer, and I think Robin Robin Hanneke does some uh, as well. They are really really great conversations with developers, and those are yeah fantastic. Um, but otherwise, I've been having a, a couple of conversations this weekend that that really just make me want to say like take some time for you. Holidays uh, are stressful, and 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 just sort of a, a, my my parting gift to get you through the week is you know. If you're at work, stand up, give yourself a stretch, take care of your body. And if you're with your family, just give yourself the time for you and whatever that thing is that you want to do, like a manicure, like, you know, just go for a walk, just take a breath, like whatever you think that you have to do before you give yourself 15 minutes of time, like chances are if you give yourself that 15 minutes, that hour, you will come back to whatever it is, refreshed and feeling better in a better mood. So Take care of yourselves. That's I think my that party is gift. such a great suggestion and so easily overlooked. You know, everybody is stressed out and working about thinking about the people in their lives and the things they need to do and all the stuff that's happening. And, oh, my gosh, the holidays are here. And what do I got to do next? You do. You can't help anybody else before you help yourself. And you got to take mm-hmm. time and, and help yourself. I think that is so, so true. Excellent. Christian Spicer, how about you? You got a parting gift? Yeah, I mean, it's way more important than that. Um, <laughs> it's CrossFit. <laughs> Man, you've talked about it more than I have in five years of doing this show, my friend. <laughs> um, no, mine is is another music uh, suggestion. Um, it's Waterme- Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles of One Direction fame. Um my goodness, he has two two singles are out off his new album, which is dropping soon. I don't think it's out this week. Um, but Watermelon Sugar is already the song of the summer, in my opinion. And we are in the middle of, you know, fall approaching winter. It's such a great, wonderful rock slash pop song that I, I cannot recommend it enough. Go give it a shot. And his new album, I think, is, is going to be exploring... Um, some interesting themes about self and, and what it means. And I think I'm always fascinated by the evolution of the, you know, the, the pop group singer as they explore and stretch their solo legs. I thought his first album was really interesting and in it's kind of rock seventies approach. And I'm, I'm excited to see where this new one uh, comes out, but watermelon sugar is the single. I think you should go listen to it's phenomenal. All right. Song of the summer. 
Call and I guess early. also take care of yourself or whatever, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> we got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, this one comes from Blue Duck Gold Duck, I guess, is is uh, his or her given name. Um, <laughs> it's it's Miss Duck to you. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is uh, Blue Duck Gold Duck says, my parting gift is we revisit a favorite story from the past. Be it a book, movie, show, or game, just revisit, revisit something from your past that you haven't experienced for some time. For me, it was Star Wars Clone Wars. I live Star Wars, so... It's always a favorite show of mine, but after watching it to completion seven-ish years ago, I hadn't seen it since. Now I'm getting excited watching episode arcs I completely forgot about while also realizing Anakin Skywalker was my favorite during my teenage angst years. But the man I've grown into now is more fond of Obi-Wan. Maybe others who take this advice will see how they've grown and changed as well. Very cool. Thank you, Blue Duck, Gold Duck. Uh, there's a lot of Star Wars in the air right now with Mandalorian, the movie just around the corner, Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order. Those character posters for Rise of the Skywalker are so exquisite. Dang, I don't, don't know it. Haven't seen it. Complete They're blackout. just posters. I haven't watched it. But they're posters know. of how the movie ends with Palpatine flying on a magic carpet <laughs> and Will Smith is the genie. It's really weird, but classic Disney. <laughs> Will Smith is also another character, but younger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a mashup of all the Will Smiths. Um, my parting gift is um, a little, little personal, but you know, it's it, this is uh, Thanksgiving week, and uh, I mentioned at the top of the show how grateful we are for all of you listening. I'm grateful to have this platform. I'm grateful to be able to uh, talk about video games and serious stuff. We talk about serious stuff sometimes. Um, I had a pretty intense week. Um, with um, my daughter uh, going to uh, see some specialists at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. And it strikes me. We, ha- we have talked often about uh, – Christian talks often about St. Jude's. Uh, I have talked often about uh, Children's Hospital. I've done some fundraising for them a lot in the past. Uh, but being there and walking through the doors and seeing all of the kids just walking down the hallway as I'm getting to where we need to go for my daughter, uh, seeing kids who are in the hospital, uh, little kids, little babies, little toddlers, children, it is uh, hard. <laughs> it hits you real hard, man. It, it, it hits you right in the gut, in the heart. And this is a time of year where we're thankful for the things that we have. And, and it's easy to forget that not everybody has things uh, like we have and are as fortunate as we are. And so I would encourage you to, you know, Christmas and the holiday season is one where people think about giving. But, you know, we're, we're not quite there yet. Why not start early and keep going throughout the whole year and think about others and if I may be so bold as to suggest places like Children's Hospital or St. Jude's that help kids, um, it's a pl- it's a time of year and uh, a, a place where people can really benefit from your support. It doesn't just have to be financial. It doesn't have to be money. Money is great, but you can volunteer your time. You can volunteer your attention. Uh, and uh, there are people that can use it and need it. And like Lana said, help yourself, 
And then maybe the next step is think about what you can do to be of service to others. So with that, I will say uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. This week of Thanksgiving, thank you. Thank you to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for contributing those cool bumpers. Thank you to Lana Bashinsky and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Uh, thanks to the people at 5x5 for letting us make the show. And thank you very much for welcoming us into your lives. We never will take it for granted. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.